This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 338. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And we have a guest joining us this week, Kyle, who uh, you actually may have heard about in the headlines recently. How's it going, Kyle? Uh, Fantastic. Thank you. We'll explain what I mean in a few minutes. Um, But you've also been a longtime listener of the show, right? Yep. I've been uh, listening since maybe not episode one, but episode two, definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, where do you live? Uh, I live in Oregon City, Oregon. Oh, so peaceful up in the Northwest. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, thanks for getting up early. It's, it's not. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's not 11 a.m. Yeah. out there right now. No, no, it's. Uh, it, but you know, as a teacher, I'm used to getting up early. They, right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, thank you again for getting up early on this Sunday morning. Uh, let's get your fandom ID, and then Eric and I are going to talk about a Harry Potter trivia night that we went to. Uh, Kyle, what's your favorite Harry Potter book and film? Uh, my favorite book is Half-Blood Prince. I love all the history of uh, Voldemort and that kind of stuff. Uh, my mo- favorite movie is Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. In relation to our recent discussion, what is your favorite Hogwarts course? I love Transfiguration. Um, it, it, it's the coolest type of magic for me. Mm-hmm. Cool. How about favorite Hogwarts teacher? Uh, Lupin. Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Why hands down? Um, he just, he is the type of teacher that I try to be with my own students. He shows compassion for his uh, students and, um, you know, really seems to care about them and, and lets them know that he cares about them. And I try to do that in my classroom. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, what's your Patronus? A bay stallion. Ooh. A bay stallion. A stallion that hangs out by the bay? I, I guess so. I'm still a little confused Where about that. Where the watermelons that grow. You know. <laughs> Back to my home. I should like I to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about your Hogwarts and Ilvermorny houses? Uh, I'm a proud Hufflepuff. Yeah, Badger, represent. <laughs> uh, and then I'm also a Puck Wedgie. Yeah. Nice. Hufflepuff, Puck Wedgie. I feel like that's the appropriate combo. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> what? Hufflepuff Thunderbird over here. Uh, yeah. Well, well mistakes are made all the time, time Eric. I mean. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> anyway, good to have you on, Kyle. We'll talk about your classroom that you that you transformed into Ooh, a transfigured. Uh, let's say transfigured. Yes, into a Harry Potter classroom. Uh, we're gonna hear about that in a moment, Eric. Um, I'm a resident of Chicago now. You're a longtime resident of Chicago. You invited me to a Harry Potter trivia night earlier this week. And you came out. <laughs> I came, of course. What do you think? I have things to do? No, I, I, I came out. <laughs> and uh, with a couple of your friends at a bar near Wrigley Field, the ball base field. Yep. And it was a fun night. It was my first Harry Potter trivia night, but you've been to a few, right? I've been to a couple, yeah. Um, probably... Probably like three or or actually four now that I think about it, but um, that was the fourth. But it was it was definitely I have to say I was pleased because the difficulty of questions uh, was high as it sometimes is, but a lot of the questions were based off the books, and um, this was the first trivia night that really seemed to focus a lot on questions pulled from the books and. The way that a lot of these work is you get 
you know, massive groups of really drunk people who used to be Harry Potter fans, who've most likely or more often seen the movies out to ask them a lot of movie questions. And it's just, you know, it's a good time, but it's pub trivia. It doesn't really challenge the the book nerd or the book um, lover. And this but was this one a, did a stark contrast. In fact, I hated how book specific these questions were. <laughs> it, well, it started with movies. We had to identify actors, uh, which some of them were very easy. Some of them were actually pretty difficult. But yeah, the book stuff. I so I went into this knowing I probably wasn't going to do well because if it's a very serious Harry Potter trivia night quiz relating to the books, like I I quite often don't remember many of the little details, and this one really did go into the details. But luckily. Eric knows this stuff very well, and also your friend who was sitting to your left, she had like just read books one and two, and one of the rounds focused on books one and two, so she did well there. Yeah, that uh, was Catherine. Catherine, Jessica, and Lauren. I actually went to college with Lauren, uh, and they're all sisters, so they were yeah. our – they uh, those three, and then Andrew and I were Team D's Sickles, uh, <laughs> which Andrew, Andrew, Andrew came what, up with. What happened name. to the other I did not. name? What? Oh, you didn't? Oh, well, we were going to be D's nuts. Um, K-N-U-T-Z. Yeah, K-N-U-T. Um, but I thought it was too blunt. And so uh, actually it was Catherine who said, well, how about D's sickles? And then I have to think about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to think about it. We had previously. I wanted our team name to be is, I wanted our team name to be is Lavender Dead. Yeah. It would just Which be a we very then inside were like, joke. We were then were like, well, maybe it's Schrodinger's Lavender because she's like sometimes dead and sometimes not. And that was that would have been my team name suggestion. But anyway, we previously have been out as the blast ended skanks. So this was a, 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 a you should a have treat kept that for name. Me. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> that well, just describes know. both of you to a T. I mean, the, the wow. team names are honestly thank you, Micah. The team names are honestly um, some of the best reasons to go out. Uh, of the house and uh -huh. as the winter well, months well do you get extra get, credit uh, some uh, no you don't you don't get like one. an extra couple points for the best name no they didn't do that no there was no, a lot of didn't. good ones i can't remember them but getting back to the point of like being at a bar with other people who love harry potter mm -hmm. that was really cool because people came in wearing their cool harry potter adult merchandise uh just like it felt good to be around fellow harry potter fans who like also wanted to be out on a Tuesday or Wednesday night <laughs> asking, yeah. answering Harry Potter questions. <laughs> but getting, so, getting their brains teased. I, I, there was a, a Hedwig backpack I had my eye on the whole night. Um, yeah, it was really, really, really good stuff. Um, um, and so, some of the questions, too, uh, just as an example, the, the, the ones that I remember, um, for instance, what is the name of the uh, muggle woman? Whom the muggle Tom Riddle Sr. Uh, is romantically interested in before Marope Gaunt takes him away and gives him the love potion. Anyone know? I'll give you one hint. It's a Simon and Garfunkel song. It's Cecilia. <laughs> Cecilia. So, yeah. You're breaking, breaking my heart. <laughs> um. So anyway, we 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 did we did really really well. No thanks to me. Um, we got we were first until the final final round. We were first in for, by like a long shot, by like a good ten points, and we were kind of all surprised because you don't know how everybody's ranking while while the rounds pass go on. Uh, yeah. But then we found out we're first, and we we're like, oh, this is crazy, and. 
And then we ended up in second because the bonus rounds um, we just didn't it, do as well as the second Yeah, because the, the wager put another team up in excess of, you know, essentially the in, in excess of the difference. And there were there were two places where we failed, Andrew. The first, uh, there was a round which we could have gotten double points, but uh, the question was name the 10 members who are at – uh, Malfoy Manor in the beginning of, or name the 10 characters who are present in chapter one of book seven. It was, so it was very vague, but it's the charity Burbage death scene. And, um, unfortunately, I suggested that Pious Thickness was there. Uh, and in the books, he is not. Um, in fact, it is Dolohoff, which I never would have guessed. Come but on, Eric. We lost nine or t- potentially 10 points because Pious Thickness is there in the movie. So, ugh, that's, that's on me, and I take full responsibility. Um, Off the show. Get but out then of the here. wager, the wager question was, God, what was it? The the three characters who um, Harry picks picks to be chasers? on the Quidditch team. Yeah, to be on the Quidditch team in book six. See, this is this is the reason, really short, that I like this trivia guy, and and he knew exactly where people's book blind spots are right like Mm -hmm. who really remembers that much about harry picking chasers um in book six for quidditch i barely remembered there was quidditch in book six there isn't in the movie um but because book six is all about voldemort and you're like you're into the pensive or the love quidditch is such a, a blind spot for me kyle would you be able to to tell us which three characters harry picks as chasers in book six your favorite book um no not even close I, well, thank I'm you guessing okay Ginny. Pro- pro- point proven. one of them was Ginny. yeah it was yeah it was Ginny. it was um angelina jo- wait no uh, angelina jolie katie bell no it was katie bell, katie bell. um Ginny, and then demelza robbins the, the third one is the one we got tripped up on it was some random character who you would never remember yeah demelza um, robbins so um dean thomas is like chosen but as a backup so that wasn't the correct answer Anyway, it was a fun night. If you keep an eye out for local trivia companies hosting Harry Potter trivia nights near you. And yeah, the ones near us was Brain Bash, uh, Brain Bash trivia. There's another one. I think Nerds Who Drink maybe does some. Um, look them up. And, and, and you know what? We met fellow Harry Potter podcasters when we were there. We did. They, they were, they were like kind of co-hosting the event. Um, yeah. Potterotica. Potterotica podcast. They, they read dirty Harry Potter fan fiction. I'm going to give them mine. Never sever us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was nice meeting them. They're, they've actually listened to MuggleCast as well, and they're going to be part of the Chicago Podcast Festival coming up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If Mike was out here, we could have done that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. There's there's still time. <laughs> could guest on that show. Yeah. 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 All right. So that was trivia night. So... Turning back to Kyle here. So, Kyle, tell us a little bit about what you do. You're a teacher. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm a special education middle school teacher here in Oregon. Uh, So I teach teach math to students who, you know, need a little bit more help um, with math. They're slightly behind, just need a little extra support. Um, So that's that's my job. So then... You decided, uh, I guess, some at some point over the summer that you were going to decorate your classroom, basically a complete takeover of of Harry Potter. Right? You kind of decorated it like a like it would be a Hogwarts classroom. Yeah, yeah. So I I had done a small, 
I had a little corner of my classroom last year um, that had, you know, Harry Potter memorabilia up on one of the tables and um, we did some house point stuff. But I thought over this summer, I thought, why don't I go just all out to really immerse the students and um, and give them give them a really awesome classroom that they've never experienced before. Yeah. So what did you do? Descri- describe what it ended up looking like. I remember I remember seeing like brick walls in some corners. Yeah. So I found um, I found this wallpaper that looks like stone, and I put that up on every every inch of all of the walls in the classroom. Uh, so essentially transforming the walls from just plain white walls to now they were all made of stone uh, uh-huh. to look like the inside of a castle. Yeah. I covered the entryway with red brick and had a little sign for platform nine and three quarters. So coming through the front door is actually like going through the platform. Yeah. Um, awesome. I covered all of the ceiling panels and this took the longest. I <laughs> bought like 150 black garbage bags, I see cut this. them out. <laughs> yeah. I cut them out into rectangles, um, and then splatter painted them with white and gold paint and then stuck them up one by one. There was like 137 of them, I think, uh, to make the, the ceiling look like the night sky in the great hall. That is so cool. Um, so how long do you think it took you to do all of the everything from start to finish? Um, well, if I include from the time that I got into the classroom, it was about five weeks and maybe 70 total hours of work. Um, but there was some preparation that I did, you know, in the spring where I was you know, drawing out plans for how I wanted the room to look like. I was looking up supplies on Amazon Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it was a long, long time, but just the work inside the classroom over the summer was about five weeks uh, of my summer vacation. Wow. <laughs> so, and then, and then your story gets crazier because you posted on Facebook photos of your work and I know you tweeted us, we checked it out like, Oh, cool, cool stuff. And, but, and then somehow uh, websites like BuzzFeed and Good Morning America start picking up your story. And before you know it, it's, it's viral. I'm looking at this BuzzFeed post as 100, 140,000 people just on BuzzFeed have looked at your classroom. Yeah, there's <laughs> two million, was, two million views on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're just like a superstar. I mean, what, what was it like? suddenly just going viral like your classroom going viral <laughs> yeah that that was nuts i was not uh i was not expecting that at all i mean mm-hmm. i knew that what i had done was was pretty cool and extensive um just because i liked it and so yeah you know i'm a huge harry potter fan i knew if i liked it other people might uh and that was really why i wanted to share it was um because i thought my friends and family would think it was really cool and then I shared it to a couple, you know, Facebook groups and, and I shared it out to mm-hmm. you guys and um, shared it with like Harry Potter circles that I yeah. thought might mm-hmm. appreciate it. Um, and then it just started to spread on Facebook. And I guess, you know, s- the right people ended up finding out about it, that they were in contact with, you know, sites like ABC News and BuzzFeed yeah. and Huffington Post. And so once... Once they reached out to me and put it up on their sites, then it just really, really spread like wildfire. 
Yeah. Yeah. My my favorite parts of this room are the house banners that hang above each table. So you have house tables in your classroom. Yep. Do you have ever do you ever have any students that don't want to sit in the Slytherin table? Is that like the <laughs> is that like the punishment table? Um you know what? Actually, so most of my students, unfortunately, they're not that familiar with Harry Potter. Okay. Um, which is kind of a bummer, but at the same time, it's also kind of nice because they don't have that same stigma against Slytherin. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. I haven't had too many issues of, of students not wanting to sit at Slytherin. The only issue I've had of what house that they got sorted into um, was that they wanted to sit next to their friends. And so that was really the Aww. only thing. You got mm. a class of Hufflepuffs. I love it. <laughs> uh, but then, of course, your your teach, your 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 office, which appears to be, is it? So it's kind of they show it in low light in one of these photos, and it looks really like creepy, like like Snape's dungeon. You know, that's my favorite part. But um, it looks like a real like awesome cozy place to get work done. Yes, yeah. So that was that was my favorite spot to set up, and it's also my favorite spot to go to uh, after the students have left. Um, <laughs> you've got and- the owl bookends. You've got the the lantern, uh, the the. Uh, crest rug which i have actually in my house uh hanging behind the chair it looks amazing yeah no do you, do so like do other teachers like wh- I, this just must stand out so much at your school so how did the <laughs> other teachers react like is your is your classroom like the cool one to come hang out in <laughs> yeah definitely definitely um <laughs> yeah the, the, so the other teachers and my principal they've all been really really supportive they've come in uh, when we had our in-service week before the start of the school year, I told everybody, I said, hey, I've done something really cool in my classroom. You're all welcome to come and check it out, you know, sometime this week. And so they they came in throughout the week and they were all just blown away. They they love it. Um, Good. But the the big thing is, you know, I teach my students in my classes, but there are hundreds and hundreds of other students around the school that I don't have in class. Well, when they found out about my classroom and then when they saw it go, you know, viral on the news, now I have almost all the students across the school stopping me at lunchtime saying, hey, can we check out your classroom? Can we come in? And um, and they all, they're like, how do I get you as a teacher next year? <laughs> That's awesome, though. And, and I mean, has that kind of spurred you at all to think about doing like an after school program, particularly around Potter or... Is something like that already exist? Um, it doesn't exist. So, uh, but I have thought about um, either doing like a Harry Potter club, or what I would love to do is a Quidditch team after school. That'd be awesome. I mean, obviously, it's huge in in college circles. The Quidditch World Cup going on every year. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. need to start the next level yeah. down. You know, get them or even. Middle school, high school, let's go. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just tried out Quidditch, the Muggle Quidditch, for the first time a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot more intense than I was expecting. And I, I was sore the next morning. Um, it's, it's very physical. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing, like, EMTs in uh, standing by at the Quidditch World Cup in New York a few years ago. Like, oh, man. This is some serious stuff here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you think so? Do, so do you, will you keep this classroom like this, like into next year too, or um, 
Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, it was a lot, a lot of work. And so yeah. um, I would I would feel bad if I had to take it all down, you know, every year and, and replace it or right. um, or do something like that. So I hope I can I can keep it up uh, essentially as long as I'm in that room. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. A uh, couple of comments from our patrons listening live. Uh, Nolan Brigman says, my old high school physics teacher posted your Facebook post to my wall. Um, hashtag viral. really cool. James says, that's amazing. Well done, Kyle. And Evelyn says, gosh, I wish I had a teacher like that when I was at school. Yeah. I can safely cool say I feel exactly the same way, sir. Hats off to you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank <laughs> you very much. Heard from other teachers around the country as a result of this? Yeah, I have. Um, I've had uh, tons of teachers, not just in my own building or even in my own district, but yeah, you're right, all over the country and even over around the world. They've contacted me on Facebook or found my email, and they've just said, this is so inspiring. I want to do something like this next year. Um, and, and that's really been, for me, as a Hufflepuff, that's kind of really the most exciting part about this is some, you know, it was a lot of work for me, but it's really just a small little thing that I did in my classroom. But the fact that it's been able to spread this level of positivity and, and inspire other teachers to really connect with their students as well. Uh, that's the the most fulfilling part about all of this. Yeah, there was you did get some Laura Mallory types uh, coming at you somewhere. Where were they in the, yeah. in the comments of some articles or something? Oh yeah, yeah. One, especially once it went national. Um, yeah, that's when uh, that's when the people who who were like this, he's teaching witchcraft. He should be fired. And yeah, um, yeah, that. It's numbers. I mean, I, there's, they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, non-denominational. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. How dare you teach witchcraft and ma- math together? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to hell pretty with you. Secular or whatever the word is I'm looking for. Um, what I love about this story in, in general is that you really embody, I think, what a, what a teacher should. You're, 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 you're selfless. You're looking to share the love. You're, uh, you put in an immense amount of work. It's it's a thankless job being a teacher, and you always hear about teachers, you know, spending money on supplies outside school because the the salary and the and the school system isn't quite set up to to just do that. And you go all in and take stuff from your own house, your Harry Potter stuff, and more, and really just turn this into a hub, a, 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 such a welcome environment of peace and acceptance and learning and create that environment with your bare hands over the course of your vacation, your summer holidays. I mean, I can't applaud you enough. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I love what I do. I love the students that I get to work with. They, they have such a energy and such a zest for life that every day I show up there, I, I get another story, another, you know, something that makes me laugh or makes me smile. And, um, and, and I really do owe that to my students. They, they kind of motivate me to get up in the morning and, and get excited about what I get to do, um, helping them learn and grow. And, um, so I just, I just want to give everything I can to them. Yeah. You also did say you are working Harry Potter into your lessons, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So give us a couple of examples of that, that you, you have listed here. I think yeah. that's pretty interesting. Um, so first and foremost, I, uh, I sorted all of my students into their Hogwarts houses and I did that by giving them a survey the first week of school. 
Um, <laughs> and I took some of the questions from Pottermore and others that I just created that were kind of school related. Um, and not only did it help me sort them, but it was also a way for me to kind of get to know them um, right at the start of the school uh, year. That's brilliant. Uh, but um, so I got them sorted and then I explained to them once they were sorted, I said, mm. we're going to track house points. So when you are working hard, when you're helping each other out, um, you know, listening quietly, doing the things that you're supposed to be doing in class, I'll go over and I'll say, hey, thank you, you know, Sally for listening quietly. Here's five points for, you know, Ravenclaw. Five points for Ravenclaw. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever take um, points away? You know, so far I've been against that yeah. just because my my philosophy is I always want to build my students up. So even when yeah. they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, I, yeah. I'll pull them aside and I'll say, hey, I know you can be doing better. So even when I'm kind of doing the discipline side of things, it's still about like positive reinforcement and, and building up uh, their their self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make me um, go Snape on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so there's a weekly house cup competition. Um, I, I tally up all the house points at the end of each week. And then on Monday, I let them know this house won the house cup and all the students from that house come up and get a little prize. And so that's just kind of something to motivate them to follow our class expectations. Wow. And then what, what else do you do teaching wise with Harry Potter? So yesterday was actually the first time I did this and it was a ton, a ton of fun. Um, or not yesterday, Friday. Um, I did, I gave them a quiz, but instead of just a normal quiz where it's a piece of paper and there's, you know, questions on it, um, I made them sit in their houses with their teams and we played Quizage. Quizage? <laughs> so, um, I just made a, like a PowerPoint presentation and then they had whiteboards at their table. And I would show a question. It was worth 10 points. And whichever house showed me the correct answer first, they got the the 10 points, like scoring the quaffle. Huh. And so we did a couple rounds of that. And then at the end, there was the snitch, which was worth 30 points. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so at the final, final, I told them whoever won would get 20 house points towards the house cup. Um, so it was a way for them to really you know, be able to compete with each other, but also for me to check in with uh, their skills for the math concepts we were working on this week. Yeah. Do you have any Hermione's in the class? They're like throwing up their hand every time. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. And in every class, there's usually one or two. Yeah. <laughs> some other things just real quick that I'm planning to do this year is uh, we do some units on area and perimeter. And so I'm going to go out to our field and string up uh, the outline of Hagrid's hut and give my students um, yardsticks and meter sticks. And we're going to measure Hagrid's hut for area and perimeter. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's kind of like an octagon, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So that'll be good. They'll, they'll learn how to find the area of, you know, polygons that aren't uh, rectangles and stuff. Perfect. I love it. How do, you, how do you do that? You break it down into like triangles and squares, right? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I, my school is coming back to me. I despise geometry as a kid. Yeah. And math, really. I should have had your Harry Potter lessons. Would have been helpful. So um, one, Cool. Well, I just had one go. more question, though, uh, because yeah. you mentioned earlier that maybe a good majority of the students, they're not as familiar with, with the Harry Potter series. 
because of what you've been able to do in creating the classroom and, and it seems even creating kind of your own curriculum around Harry Potter, uh, do you see the students becoming more interested in wanting to read the series? Yes, that's been really cool to see just in a very short amount of time this school year. Uh, I've had three students so far. I have a class set, you know, of like 20 of the first book. Wow. Um, and I've already seen three of my students pick it up when they finish their work early. They pick it up and they're starting to read it. I had another student come up to me the other day saying, hey, I went home this weekend and I watched the first two movies. Uh, and he had never seen them before. So I, I am seeing some of my students who are getting interested in reading or at least watching the movies. And um, and I just think that's great whether you read or watch the movies because, you know, as we all know, the, the messages and the themes around Harry Potter are, are so great for, for young people to learn about, you know, integrity and acceptance and tolerance and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, if they're getting exposed to those things, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Well, you seem like a really good person, Kyle, and a really good teacher as well. So we salute you. Spread the good word with Harry's lessons. Thank you. I'm sure, very J.K. Much. Rowling would be is proud the, of you too. Is the Hufflepuff chair as comfortable as it looks in the back of the room? It is actually. So, our in-service week before the students came um, is a really, really busy week for teachers. Um, and on the last day of that week, I went in there with my laptop, thinking I'm going to, you know, answer emails. And I sat in that chair, and I woke up 30 minutes later because <laughs> I had taken a nap. <laughs> Man. A well-deserved That's nap. funny. Yeah. yeah. Micah loves sitting in, in chairs like that. I think... I think uh, Who doesn't? I go to sleep for like 30 minutes during this podcast, too, so it's it's all good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Welcome wow. back, Micah. Welcome back. <laughs> Going to make you the newsman again so you don't fall asleep. Anyway, um, so you, Kyle, you actually had a question you wanted to bring up with us because you haven't had anybody to discuss it with, so you wanted to talk about it here. I like this is an interesting question. Go ahead. Yeah, so so I've noticed ever since, you know, for like 10 years now or maybe even longer, uh every time I go back and read the first book, very early on, I get stuck on one particular line and it's on page 2 of Sorcerer's Stone. It says when Mr. and Mrs. Dursley woke up on the dull gray Tuesday, our story starts. There was nothing about the cloudy sky outside to suggest that strange and mysterious things would soon be happening all over the country. And I always get hung up on um, the the little part of it that says our story starts because yeah. it's kind of referencing, it's referencing the narrator themselves. And it even has like this meta reference to the fact that we're reading a story as well, um, which I'm always curious about, okay, this, this means that somebody is telling us the story of Harry Potter. It's not just this omniscient, you know, godlike character, um, or, or it could be, but if it is, I'm curious who that character is. Who is the person who is telling us this story of Harry Potter? Mm. I, uh, so my first reaction to when I read your question here was that maybe JK Rowling, when she did start writing, had the intention of having this narrator and maybe using uh, words like our a little more often. But then as she started writing further, she she changed her mind, but kept that beginning part in just to keep some of her early thinking in the book. But 
we could come up with wild theories about oh my gosh maybe there was uh, a narrator this whole time who was it well, maybe it was always, Dumbledore I, you guys I think we're thinking about this too hard I think, I think it's pretty obvious that it's a um, a Niffler wearing a monocle uh, <laughs> is is the narrator of the entire Harry Potter series I just I get that picture when I think of uh, the narrator of the books you know it's interesting I've noticed this before and there's honestly there's a couple other places where it feels to me in the book that they're that we are being narrated to this may be in um book one or perhaps it's book three but there's a, a sentence that begins um in in years to come harry would never quite know uh how he made it through the studying for the exams uh, of that year or something and that's the sentence it's like in years to come harry would never like be able to remember back how he did it, this like it feels like a narrator study it feels yeah it's like because harry is not telling us the story himself at this point he's like man years from now i'm never going to be able to really remember how i uh did this i'm doing this studying right now and it's like well that's a, a weird perspective shift um because harry we've seen firsthand the events of the next at least the next six years of harry's life and there's no point where he has time to reflect on what he did for exams in year one. Like there's just well, never going to be a point where that, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, I think in most of the of sort of the intro chapters to these books, we are taken through the events that occur previously, particularly early on. I remember them. It would be JK Rowling recounting the events and telling us about Harry and, and what happened to his parents and why he's yeah. in the situation he's in now and that also has a, a very strong narrative feel to it. So I, I wonder if it is not just J.K. Rowling, aside from Eric, you mentioning a Niffler with a monocle, sitting in a very comfortable Hufflepuff chair, by the way. By the fireplace, yes. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, it's, it is a really interesting question, the fact that you can kind of go back and look at that and wonder early on, was it her intent to provide us with a narrator and and you know at the end yeah. of the series we get a reveal into who in fact is telling us the story mm. yeah do you have any guesses to who it could be kyle did you ever just put a particular person inside your head while rereading um you know i i haven't really um i thought you know there are there are parts of the story where it seems like we are kind of being told this story um, through Harry's mind, and it's almost like he's just reminiscing. Yeah. Um, so I thought that he could be the narrator, but um, but then there's other parts where it that doesn't seem like it fits either. Um, and I've just always been curious, you know, who who's this person telling us this story? Because um, I would be very curious to know more about that character. Yeah. Yeah. In absolutely. In hindsight, I I do think. It's very interesting because this person or whatever is introducing us to one of the greatest stories of all time. Mm. So to look back on it and see this little just different way of writing at the very beginning, I think is special and speaks to the enormity of what is to come. Right. And if- but it, I, I do also feel like whenever I start reading a Harry Potter book at the beginning, they always do read a little differently in the first. Yeah few paragraphs they definitely do and i was also thinking if 
it was in not that it's not important, but if it was for us to know that there was in fact a narrator, Sorcerer's Stone, the movie probably would have opened up with some sort of voiceover. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it does very much appear to be a, a useful book technique for, especially for a children's novel to have somebody with the voice. You know, there are a couple other examples I'm failing to remember in book one where as a result of there being a narrator, it's, it, it, there are jokes that are able to be made or, or somehow the writing is funny. Um, because there's a narrator telling us that story. I have to go back and re- reread, but, um, I think that it's probably just, you know, a good narrative device that she used. Um, the, the tense, uh, the, or the point of view of the Harry Potter books, if I'm getting this right, is third person omniscient or third person limited. I think it fluctuates a little bit because she's able to deep dive down Harry's head and explain what he's thinking and feeling at all times, but is also able to, I don't know, she doesn't quite always stay with what Harry notices or remembers maybe it's first person omniscient but he's not speaking it's very difficult to pin down but i think it fluctuates a little bit um well anyway yeah um, anyway kyle hopefully we helped a little bit <laughs> honestly just just being able to talk to somebody about this because yeah. i haven't really had you know as as big of a fan as i am i haven't had a lot of connection with other harry potter fans in my yeah. personal life so it's it's nice to just somebody get, get this, this guy there. some harry potter friends come on everybody in <laughs> no, oregon no, don't. city oregon no yeah. don't this is this is why people like mugglecast cuz 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 we're their harry potter we're friends. their friends we need to keep it that way <laughs> that's guys, absolutely true if you guys make friends then you don't want to listen to us anymore so oh man let's not do that <laughs> um, so if we if you if you guys have have time real quick, I did have another because I am a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. I have always thought about how Hogwarts does not accommodate for students with disabilities at mm-hmm. Hogwarts, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. aka in the Wizarding world that would be Squibs. And I always thought that there should be a place for Squibs in Hogwarts because there are some subjects that they could learn about, like herbology, like you know, muggle studies and ancient runes and history of magic. There's tons and tons of subjects that they could learn about, but for some reason they're not allowed. Um, have you, do you listen to the other MuggleNet Harry Potter podcast besides Speak Beastie, Alohomora? I do, yeah. So episode 206 of Alohomora was specifically on illness, special needs in the wizarding world, and how they're pretty much non-existent. And it was, I believe, a three-hour podcast on exactly that topic. I would just love to recommend listening to that, specifically tangential to what any of us have thoughts on, um, because I know that that episode was particularly well done and well planned out, as as all of those episodes are, uh, to deep dive into subjects like this, which with people who are teachers who are more capable of giving an informed opinion it's interesting one thing about that that's interesting though is that you know if you look at squibs in the series you have filch who's kind of a comical relief character uh, but Mm -hmm. then you contrast that with somebody like mrs fig who is honestly tasked with one of the more important roles in the entire series and that's really keeping harry safe at privet drive you know indirectly Mm -hmm. right she's she's passing along information so right. and i i'm sure there's others that are mentioned that i'm forgetting but it, it 
it's interesting how they're portrayed, even though they have limited to no magical ability whatsoever. It's yeah. true. Um, and there are only those two examples, and there seems to be some sort of cliffhanger with Miss Fig, Mrs. Fig, as to whether or not she can really see the Dementors that she's testifying about. I don't know, it just seems like, thinking of it that way, or viewed through this lens, Harry Potter, the series, is often about the haves and the have-nots. You're, if, if you have, you're a wizard, you're in the story. If you have not, you're basically not in the story. And the characters that are told in this story that they can't do something, um, it, it's just not... I don't think the story lends itself to being very supportive or inclusive or thinking of... Uh, you know, ways to overcome that. It's Harry's told he can't like act up in class and defeat the Dark Lord, both of which he does. So I don't know that, the, but I don't know that that's particularly redeeming or or inspiring. Am I off base? No, I I agree with that. I yeah, I um, like I said, I think that, and we even see this in the Fantastic Beast movie with a Muggle actually kind of taking care of magical creatures. Um, yeah. and so why couldn't squibs go to Hogwarts and take care of magical creatures? There might be some creatures that they aren't equipped to take care of, but, but they could learn some things in that class. They could learn some things in herbology and even potions. Yeah. Well, well, and there's, and there's something to like a silver lining too, which is that JK Rowling is getting very much better at, at maybe giving us that. Um, you mentioned fantastic beasts. I think that's a great way to start by having a muggle main character. Um, you know, a character who cannot do magic, who isn't, you know, who's very much the heart and soul of that movie, as we've stated before on this show. Of course. Um, that said, though, there is the scene with Graves and Credence where obviously it's Grindelwald saying it, but that he could smell the fact that he was a squib the second that he met yeah. him. So it does have a very derogatory kind of connotation to it in the wizarding world. So we're glad that Kyle is on this week because we were just talking about the courses of Hogwarts and we wanted to talk about it more this week. We had more to talk about last episode, but we just ran out of time. Um, so we discussed last week, just to briefly re remind everybody, a bunch of courses, astronomy, care of magical creatures, defense against the dark arts, charms, divination, flying, herbology, history of magic, muggle studies, Potions and Transfiguration. But Kyle's so probably upset 11. that we left out one of the more important courses <laughs> that he would. I think he would be interested in. Transfiguration? Yes. No. Arithmetic. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Well, see, I was under the impression that these were the only courses being taught at Hogwarts. Well, um, there's but, ancient runes as well, but yeah, they yeah. don't play really any role in the series whatsoever. Yeah, Hermione right. takes them. Maybe they help her with something. But uh, yeah, there's definitely other courses at Hogwarts. And there's okay. also clubs like gobstones and things like that. You're right. Yeah. So smaller classes, right, that, that just don't play as big of a role. Mm -hmm. But then if you do look at Pottermore, they, I don't know, they don't mention them at all, which is kind of weird. But anyway, so with these courses in mind that we spoke about last week, which course would we be playing hooky from the most which would we ditch the most i wanted to ask because you know we all have courses that we we take in high school or college and we're like oh not again no <laughs> no i'm missing it i'm totally skipping 
And then, like, you hope the quizzes are open note or really easy. It probably depends on the professor. Because, yeah, I would definitely put potions at the top of the list there. Really? Uh, just because of Snape? Yeah. I would, although he probably is a good professor at the end of the day, just depends what kind of mood he's in. History of Magic, <laughs> I could say, is probably another contender, but you could probably play hooky in class, given that Professor Bins <laughs> is just so boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good point i'm trying to think what classes i actually did ditch in high school like me myself when i was in high school I, you didn't i don't remember yeah i You're didn't good but like, student no there's a couple classes where it'd be like if i had a study hall i'd like wander or maybe i'd wander over to study hall from a like you know you ever take like a, a an extended bathroom break you get like a hall pass and they're just sort of wandering around and lingering I guess they probably prevent that now with sign-in sheets and all sorts of other junk. But anyway, it was a good time to be alive in 2004. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I remember learning astronomy sort of in school. Just real quick, Kyle, do they still have this class or do you know anything about this where um, the, it's sort of like, in a, like a portable uh, lab? It's like one of those parachutes, like one of those giant parachutes that the kids play with. But it's it's an, it's like a tent. And they set it up in our gymnasium in, in, in junior high. And um, there's like sort of a projector. And you go in on the inside of this tent, but it's huge and circular. And they can put star charts. I've seen that. I think okay. we did that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I learned some constellations and stuff just based on a day of God, I don't know what class it was. Maybe it was science class. Um, and I really liked it. So, you know, I don't want to knock astronomy. And Andrew, in the last episode, you said it'd be awesome to go to out, you know, in the school during at midnight. I I agree. If I had to pick one, I'd skip. Uh, it'd probably be divination, maybe. Unless I, unless I was particularly gifted and saw some, uh, had some insight into it. That class just doesn't seem like it'd be comfortable being up there and being so hot all of the time it's so hard for me to answer because like i want to say like for example herbology but then i'm like oh but it'd be nice to you know work with your hands and work with plants and stuff like that <laughs> and then you also think about cool moments in the book for any of these classes and then you really don't want to skip them but i would probably say history of magic i i've never really liked learning history um I just remember so many boring lessons in school over the years, and I don't even think if the subject is magic that that would particularly make it any more interesting. Poor so I think history of magic. Yeah. Well, and I actually, I asked a question on Twitter earlier this week coming off of our discussion on the last episode, which was, is there a chance, and I don't know what role he would play whatsoever uh, in Fantastic Beasts, but could you see a living, breathing Professor Binns in future Fantastic Beasts movies? You blew my mm. damn mind when you tweeted that, Micah. I just wanted you to know. <laughs> His damn mind. Mm-hmm. Well, he could make some sort of minor cameo in the second uh, Fantastic Beast movie, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. At, what at, if his death? What if his death wasn't of natural causes? <laughs> now, now we're really speculating. Now we're opening up. Uh, <laughs> well, no theory is safe. It's true. Um, uh, though, as far as uh, playing hooky, I don't see a real equivalent here, but I. When I was in high school, people cut gym all the time, or phys ed. <laughs> I feel like that is <sighs> flying is probably the closest equivalent. But do they really have a, a phys ed type of course at Hogwarts? No, I don't they're think too busy so, running from they're running from actual trolls and <laughs> you know, all the goings on in the magic school. Unless it's flying, 
Yeah. That's the but, most physical activity you would get, but, but I even guess that flying is physical. Only, yeah. yeah. Isn't it only year one, too, with flying? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. After that, they don't care about your health. And at that, that age, because you're too England. scared. You're, like, you're not going to cut cor- courses in your first year. Like You at least need to be like fifth or sixth year to try that yeah, stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they give them enough free periods. I know it's interesting. There is sort of a blind yeah. spot there where they eat all this junk food and don't have gym class. How about on the flip side? What which course? And we'll start with Kyle, since you are the teacher. Which yes. what which course would you most like to teach? Um. Well, I mean, I love Transfiguration, but I don't know if I would want to teach that. Um. I think I I'm a huge huge fan of animals, so I would love to teach care of magical creatures. And and as far as like getting physical education, flying is great, but you're really not doing them a lot. I think trying to wrangle up uh, creatures. Uh, would give you a lot more physical uh, exertion in that class. Mm-hmm. I would love to teach charms. Isn't magic great, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> then I would play hooky from your class if you're teaching. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, if 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 attending a class, I would love to attend Professor Lupin's DADA. But um, I think, teach- yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think I would like to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. That seems like a very fun, hands-on. Yeah. It's probably easy to keep the class engaged. I agree that that would be my choice. And here's here's the greatest part of it is you only have to do it for one year. You get your pension, and you can go and take vacation, <laughs> <laughs> or you die. Oh yeah, there. So there, you know, look, you got to weigh the the costs and benefits with pros uh, and cons. Pros and yeah, cons with defense against dark arts. But if it, if it was a long term tenure, I I agree. I would like to teach that. I think it's a cool course. Let's move on to this Patreon question. Micah, what did we ask our supporters? So I think, Eric, you actually um, put the question out there. Um, if you were asked to prepare and teach an entirely new course at Hogwarts, uh, what would it be? And it can involve the Wizarding World or the Muggle World. So you can mix and match here. Uh, the most important rule that we posed was that there must be a good reason to teach it at Hogwarts. Uh, mm. So... I'll start off here. We had, I think, over 50 people comment on this. So uh, we got a lot of good ideas, a lot of good responses. And uh, start off with Christina Hernandez, who said, Healing with magic. Uh, Basic first aid, like the kind of things we learn in school, that can be done with spells, simple potions, and herbs. I've always been curious why they didn't have a class like this, especially for those interested in careers that could benefit from those skills. Definitely. We learned uh, CPR in health class, and there was such a thing as health class, so why wouldn't there be healing uh, with magic? Um, did you, I think that that would be did, really Did fun. you have to pair up with somebody, or was it a, um, a um, dummy? In, it was sort of, yeah, it was a dummy, and it was like... Um, I was hoping to get a good you know, story here, but... Like a class of 12 um, that all took turns, like, I don't know, whatever, when the tests came. Mm-hmm. But Okay. Uh, Matthew Jordan said, uncovering magical history. This would be an archaeological uh, type class that would be for seventh years looking to be into a deep studies career on discovering magical history, lost relics, and uncovering what's thought to be lost. This would be a great way to discover the castle and finally uncover mysteries that they somehow don't know about, like the Chamber of Secrets. They can also adventure into the Forbidden Forest to learn about different species, historical grounds, there could even be field trips to different countries, whether it's high in the mountains or the edges of the seas. 
they can uncover some of the most heralded tales. Huh. I like it, but as somebody who just poo-pooed history and magic, uh, <laughs> I, I can't really support it. But you could it, go so. on field trips. Yeah, I guess that would make it more interesting. Would Bins lead them? Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess Matthew would. Yeah, Matthew, Matt. are you fun? Are you as boring as Professor Bins? <laughs> Let Andrew you know, know I, at Sims. On I Twitter. like the idea. <laughs> I genuinely like the idea of embracing the age of the castle, like uh-huh. around us, and um, you know, if we were at Hogwarts, just being able to spend extensive amounts of times, like I don't know, even looking at the statues, wondering where they all came from, um, and learning, like, sort of that practical, like this castle and you type class right. where you're going around even to the chamber of secrets where you may happen upon a highly cursed uh, dark magical item from slytherin that nobody else has found if you lift up a, a loose cobblestone or something mm-hmm. you know the the possibilities are are endless and i i would be endlessly fascinated in going on these field trips so i love this class all right uh shannon spicer i like this one journalism there doesn't seem to be a ton of journalistic integrity in the wizarding world, so a class on writing for print and ethics would be cool. This would also help get more witches and wizards interested in working for new entities and maybe prevent a resurgence of Rita Skeeters. There you go. Any relation to, to Sean Spicer? Your name is Shannon Spicer and you want a class on journalism? Probably not. Let's move on. Welsh <laughs> Kaiser says. No, I'm not getting political, but I, I do want to say that um, I think it's a good idea because how, how, how do people learn to write for the Daily Prophet, etc.? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you, you just get you get people who are ambitious enough to apply and that's about it. But Eric, let's talk about Sean Spicer. <laughs> Save it for millennial. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, okay. Uh, Adam has kind of a similar uh, response to Matthew from earlier. Maybe they could uh, work together on a course. Uh, Magical artifacts, understanding their use, creation, and destruction. Students must learn to combine principles of transfiguration, charms, runes, and elemental properties to understand the creation and destruction of magical artifacts. While other classes may have touched upon these subjects, focusing on how these disciplines overlap could lead to further discoveries in the vein of the Sorcerer's Stone, the Sword of Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff's Cup, Raina Ravenclaw's Diadem, the Sorting Hat, and other important artifacts. This strikes me as being sort of like a newt independent study level class um, of the likes which certain professors are are shown or mentioned as having holding, like... um, I don't know. Maybe we see Snape's Potions Newt class, but a lot of the independent study or closed group, you know, where the teacher isn't necessarily leading, but is only there to support the students Mm -hmm. like intuition. uh, Seems like that would be what this class would be best suited to do. Yep. Um, You have students like the Marauders who were animagi when they were, what, 15? I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, they're insanely gifted. So to somehow combine um, the classes that they're learning, the disciplines, and figure out how they all fit together, that's very much an advanced concept. Thesis um, type of uh, project. Yeah, so exactly. Like you said, so a, it speaks a new independent Yeah, study. so it speaks, it speaks more to college or uh, – I was even thinking like horror study, mm-hmm. like the type of stuff that – that Harry and Ron would have learned when they become Aurors is how to mesh charms and DADA and transfiguration into sort of a more like wholly useful, well-rounded 
um, discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty advanced. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Ellerby, or Alurb, but I like Ellerby better, so even if that is your last, I don't know. What I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Alurb, yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, a history of house elves. In light of Spew and how prevalent they are in the wizarding world, there are likely many elves that were present at key points in history and probably helped to shape the outcome of events. Think even the few we know, Dobby, Creature, Winky. This course would cover how house elves have been in the wizarding community in different ways, homes, Hogwarts, and freed ones, and their influence on events. I like that. Yes. Yes. I want to read Goblet of Fire again just for all the spew stuff. I miss the spew stuff so much. I think I may have mentioned this a while ago. I used to have my own Harry Potter fan site, and I launched my own spew club on it. Uh-huh. And I asked people to sign up, and they like applied with a form, a little web form. And so I got the I got their form, and then I got their submission. And then like once a week, I would go through the latest submissions and would manually email every single person and thank them for joining Spew. <laughs> I had it down by heart. I didn't copy and paste these emails. I I typed each one out, and then I added them to my uh th- to the website that people have signed up for spew anyway all this to say i used to love spew so you would take this elves. course i would yes you would, good idea you would teach Jennifer. this course potentially i'll handle signups i'm good at signups all right. related hmm. to house elves uh, jennifer ellerby wonder if any relation to linda LRB. okay you used to do nick news remember nick news everybody they did like the topical yes but I'm that is very age. biased and political so we're linda not going to talk LRB. about that either <laughs> ashley greg raises uh i think a subject that probably all of us would be interested in and that's music because it's quote a magic far beyond all we do here uh, but not That's that one. weird choir toad thing from the movies. <laughs> uh, obviously, the Wizarding World has its own bands and solo artists, the Weird Sisters, Celestina Warbeck. But where do they practice and hone their craft? A music class where you could manipulate music with magic would be so interesting. Agreed. wonder what the spell for a metronome is. <laughs> Sh- Metronomus! Sean McKee, Magic of Other Cultures, and this was a popular one over on Patreon. Uh, this class would examine the magic traditional uh, magic tradition of various indigenous cultures around the world, Native American, African, Asian, South and Latin American, uh, both from an educational perspective to understand, I think it's trying to say Bethilda Bagshot. I don't know what BB would otherwise yeah, stand mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Um, but also how to use magic in ways that emulate these cultural uses to make your own style of magic more unique. It would be especially useful for Aurors, I think, when tracking dark wizards because it would give them different styles of magic to use, which would give the Auror an advantage in a fight. Definitely. So this this started out as being sort of like an anthropological kind of cultural history type thing and then evolved into a class where you're finding your own unique style. Um, I see two classes there where, you know, both would be very useful. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Goblet of Fire when Durmstrangs and Bobatons comes to Hogwarts. Uh, I think there's that angle you could take on it as well and, and even doing like a study abroad program uh, to help understand, uh, you know, the different uh, magical cultures that exist. And we know there's other schools beyond that that were mentioned on Pottermore. So um, I really like that idea for a course. And finally, from Nada Atabani, uh, I would teach a magical beings philosophy class. 
a course that focuses on intelligent magical beings like centaurs, goblins, house elves, giants, trolls, obviously not intelligent, but, you know, they can be in the syllabus, uh, as well as wizards versus muggles, specifically focusing on acceptance and teaching witches and wizards from a young age to accept them as part of the magical and non-magical world. I think that there is far too much prejudice in the magical community, and too many wizards grow up thinking they are superior to muggles and other magical creatures, instead of accepting that they may just be skilled in different areas. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. I didn't like philosophy in college, but I'll take this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a kind of a spinoff of both care of magical creatures and Muggle studies. So it, it really it really would create a more patient and understanding group, like, again, less um, self concerned group of humans <clears throat> uh, than we seem to have in Wizarding government. Like people. True. Just don't understand. And this is the problem with um, Binz's history of magic. Like, we don't know much about Binz, but this is his failing as a teacher. He fails to connect it to relevance, right? He fails to establish. No, I mean, Kyle would agree with me, right? Like, you almost have to find a human connect, a personal connection that these these kids are not engaged. You have to explain to them why the 1813 or 1517 goblin rebellions are worth anything, why they matter. Um, mm-hmm. you have to try and make a, a little effort in in that front, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have to connect it to to what's relevant and important to the students. Um, that doesn't mean that you everything has to be about what they want. Um, mm-hmm. but somehow get them to care about it. And the way that I do that is to get them <clears throat> is to show them that I care about them. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, such a Hufflepuff teacher. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it absolutely like being more culturally sensitive of other creatures. Hmm. That's a great, that's a great idea. And, uh, I'll, I'll conclude here with, uh, an honorable mention. Uh, I thought it was too funny not to include, uh, Haley White said that, uh, they should introduce a course called Time Turners 101, how to not screw up a timeline and create an eighth book. <laughs> Bless you, Haley. Bless you. I, c- I could see McGonagall adding that to the curriculum at Hogwarts in light of everything that happened in Cursed Child. I mean, she is very concerned. If only to prevent uh, somebody like Harry from talking to her the way that he did in that eighth book. Boom. Boo. So, a lot of great ideas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks to everybody on Patreon who submitted answers there. Oh my and God, Jennifer Ellerby, who's listening live, says, yes, Linda Ellerby is a distant aunt of hers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but I'm looking up for Shannon Spicer. I wonder if she... Oh. That's She's so not going to admit to the relation. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Huh. Or maybe she will. Distant Who knows? aunt. Mike, Micah, you mentioned um, arithmancy and math, and I was thinking about that, and honestly, I'm not entirely sure why wizards need to learn anything more than basic math. Um, you know, we use advanced mathematics to, you know, create cures for diseases and predict weather patterns and, you know, do space travel, all these really important things. But all of that stuff in the wizarding world can really be accomplished with magic. Um, so aside from just knowing, like, adding, subtracting, multiplying and dividing, I'm not entirely sure why they teach wizards more advanced math than that. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Plus, we all got calculators these days. Come on. (laughs) Hey, Siri. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, Hey, Siri, how many sides does Hagrid's hut have? (laughs) (laughs) 
hey Siri, what is the what's the what what's the area and perimeter of Hagrid Hut's Hagrid's hut? All right, enough math, quote unquote, jokes. Um, it's time for our pop quiz question of the week. We started this segment last week. The question is, the question was, how many courses are first years required to take? The answer is seven. Of course it is. Of course it is. Everything's seven. Seven or twelve. Uh, Andrew, can I um make a a suggestion for this segment? If Kyle will let us, uh, sure. Can we rename it Quizich? <laughs> I was thinking that too. We should name this episode that. Quizage. I think it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Kyle, do we have your permission to change this to Quizage instead of Pop Quiz of the Week? Uh, that's totally fine. Yes. Amazing. Eric, I was wondering for this week's question, you, you were taking pictures of the questions at our trivia night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could you give us one of those to see what hell we were put through? I'll the do you one I'll do you one better. There was a time when I was 15 years old and obsessed with Harry Potter, uh, if y'all can believe that. And mm-hmm. I went through the first three Harry Potter books and scoured them for every fact or statement that was listed. And I developed my own trivia questions based off those. So I'm looking at a document where oh. I have the first three books and I assigned each question a difficulty. I basically formed trivia questions based off what it exactly specifically says in the books. So we have quizits questions for the rest of eternity. Uh, but just from books one through three, pick a book and I'll give, a, I'll figure out what our question should be. Two. Book two. Okay. What difficulty? Uh, there's easy, normal, hard, or sleuth. Hard. Uh, what is the only book that Harry is assigned that isn't by Gilderoy Lockhart on his, uh, School shopping list in book two. The only book Harry is assigned uh, that okay. isn't by Gilderoy Lockhart. That's a good one. That totally would have been at trivia night that we went to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we will reveal the answer to that question next week. To wrap up today's show, we have a couple of emails now. This first one's from Kelly. She says, hey, MuggleCast, I am a more recent listener and have finally caught up with all your podcasts. Why did I never find out about your podcast? Until now, I'll never know. Well, welcome, Kelly. Welcome. I, I listened to the episode where Newt's hollow wands was brought up in discussion. And I have a theory about this. My theory is that Newt switches out his core depending on what he needs from his case of beasts. The magical creatures give him hairs and strings or whatever magical object is needed for wands as a payment of sorts for Newt protecting, rescuing, and rehabilitating them. This theory makes sense to me in that Newt was expelled from Hogwarts and maybe his original wand was snapped. But he is a smart wizard that could make his own wand that takes whatever core he feels is necessary for the occasion. That's her food for thoughts. She says, thank you guys for keeping this podcast going. I enjoyed listening to it while I'm at work. Huh. Thank you, Kelly, again. I like this theory. Yeah. Get a get a, uh, get a a hair from a Niffler. And then Newt's good at stealing things. I don't know. Yeah, Shiny I things. don't know. I think it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, we've never seen what a sort of hollow or I think it was described at one point as a vegan wand uh, would <laughs> well, do. For anyone who forgets, this is getting back to um, when we saw Newt's wand, the one that they're selling, the, the, the core area does seem hollow. And the guest, like Kelly mentioned, was being expelled um, if he was expelled, or at least there was an attempt at expelling him. 
his wand was snapped or the core was removed. But I, I, I'm hopeful that this will somehow play into future movies. Absolutely. The core mystery. <laughs> this question is good. Um, Kyle, maybe, well, you said your, your, your students don't read the books yet, but you might be able to relate to this in the future. This is from Michael, who's a teacher, and the subject line of his email was, what is happening? He said, hey guys, I just have to share this crazy story that happened to me this week at work. I'm a first grade teacher, and while I was greeting my kids in the morning, a fifth grade girl walked by my line of students clutching a copy of the Cursed Child script book. Of course, I stopped her to ask if she was a big Harry Potter fan and what she thought of the play, as her bookmark was almost near the end. She enthusiastically started talking about how much she loved Harry Potter, which of course is great. But... Then she went on a whole rant about how The Cursed Child is her favorite Harry Potter book ever. She said she loves the story and how scary it is. I know she's only nine, but I was so taken aback that kids reading Harry Potter have such high praise for the play and don't even realize it's not written by Rowling. She even said some of the old books were too long and had some boring parts. Daggers to my heart. I personally blame this response on the iPad-driven, low-attention-span culture Whoa. that kids are subjected to nowadays. It makes me wonder how many other kiddos out there place such value on this piece of toilet paper that is the cursed child and what fandom will look like, say, 20 years in the future. I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say it for all time. There's nothing wrong with you if you think that you like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. If you well, like it for it's it's designed to be a crowd pleasing, sh- bam, uh, was it slam bang, tang, uh-huh. you know, excitement, scariness. I agree. Some books, some Harry Potter books, the fifth one are too long. I get it. Fine. There's nothing wrong I, with you if you like Cursed well, Child. Hold on, hold on though. It is still shocking that uh, that that somebody would say it's her favorite Harry Potter book ever. Now she is only nine. And I think Michael mentioned the low attention span. I think it might also have to do with the fact that a script is probably a lot easier to read for a nine-year-old than book five, six, or seven. I think nine is probably too young to be reading Harry Potter. Um, I would I would read that to children, but I, well, you know what? No, I just I hate I hate what I just said. Um, children children should pick up any book at all under any circumstances. When they feel that they can read it and understand it, that's that's my opinion. Kyle, um, do you let your students know that the Chris Child exists? I have it on my desk in my office, but I don't draw attention to it. And admittedly, I couldn't finish it. Oh, I couldn't even get through half of it. Um, oh, you know, some interesting stuff happens in the third act. I I do. I I listened to the uh, the spoiler episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Cast. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Um, Appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I could not it, finish it. You're getting it in the Micah and Eric context of like <laughs> reading the Tumblr spoils <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> oh, no, no, look. But we've said on the on the podcast before. I'm sure if you go and you see Cursed Child in person, it's a much different experience. But if you're just reading the script, the story itself is questionable. People are really and tired of nice. us even saying that. Yeah, even saying that, people are really tired of hearing it. I agree I with ju- it, but some people genuinely like the story, period. The story, yeah. period. Let's not get into this whole discussion yeah, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, But but I, I do I do agree with you, Eric, that anytime a kid is going to read whatever it is, that's good. Yeah, if they're passionate about reading, it's great. 
I do think that uh, Michael has a point here, and I thought it was. I just thought it was funny that the subject line of the email was just "What is happening? What is happening?" Kids these days, they don't know. <laughs> they don't. They can't appreciate a good book when they see yeah, it. Yeah, they don't know what's good. Hmm. Back in my day, we, we had to them. read a book a normal way without a script. <laughs> Back in my day, Michael was the newsman. <laughs> no iPads. All right, Micah, read us the next email. All right, it's from Robin, and she says, I have a theory to run by you. Do you think a wizard could put a horcrux in an obscurus? We know humans and beasts can coexist with horcruxes, i.e. Harry and Nagini. Voldemort could not control Harry, but if a dark wizard created a horcrux and put it in an obscurus, I think it would be more like the Nagini horcrux, and the wizard would be able to control the Obscurus and force it to destroy whatever they wanted to. Ezra Miller described an Obscurus as the spirit of the Obscurial, which also makes me wonder if an Obscurus is already a kind of Horcrux, since it splits a person's magical and non-magical selves. As far as we know, Horcruxes weren't something that Grindelwald showed interest in, so it's unlikely that this would ever come up in the movies, but I still find myself wondering. J.K. Rowling seems kind of obsessed with the idea of wizards dividing their souls, so I don't think I'm alone in wondering how these two dark magics connect. And hmm. P.S. One of the best things about this show is the multiple generations of fans. I'm 22, and last summer my boss's daughter, Ella, mentioned that she had started listening to a cool Harry Potter podcast. Sure enough, it was you guys. If you could give a shout-out to Ella and all the other young fans who listen to MuggleCast... That would be totally awesome. They may not have been there from the beginning, but they're the future of the Harry Potter fandom, and they totally deserve celebrating. So there you go. Shout out no, to Ella. No shout out. Sorry. Oh, I'm yes, play, playing out. the. <laughs> no, that's awesome, and I, I love love seeing new listeners. Whether what, no matter your age, new listeners coming onto the show because I think that really inspires us, knowing that new people are still coming on board, and. Uh, as part of Kyle coming on to today's show, he promised he's going to introduce his students to MuggleCast. So thank you, Kyle. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Kyle. Try and pick Plus an episode 30. where we don't swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I just threw that on him right I don't now. want these people's parents coming after us. <laughs> um, I don't think that an Obscurial can have a Horcrux. Uh, an Obscurial is already an offshoot of a wizard's persona. It's a parasitic life form, which affects almost exclusively children. Um, I just don't think that the magic is necessarily compatible. It's both dark, but I don't know. It's like pouring Coke and Pepsi in a, in a glass together. What would you, where do you even get? They'd probably stay separate. You wouldn't be able to really taste the difference, but they'd stay separate. Um, yeah. I mean, Robin presents, presents an interesting theory here and connecting it to Harry and Ginny. But I, I, I think it would be too much a Horcrux and an Obscurus. Like I think J.K. Rowling would kind of see that as like dark magic overload. Mm -hmm. Well, just just like she's flat out said that like Voldemort cannot cast a Patronus. Like just yeah. bottom bottom line. No matter. I mean, he can be happy about killing hundreds of people. That can be his happy memory. But there's something in him that's broken that can't do it. And I think that that's exactly what it would be like for a Horcrux and Obscurial. Like they're just not compatible. Um, 
And I hope yeah. the Fantastic Beast series is not going that way. Um, yeah. And and Grindelwald isn't into Horcruxes, even right. though... Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that before, how Grindelwald and Voldemort are essentially two different types of um, power seekers. Like, Grindelwald wants to extend his life and live as long as he can live, but in his body. Like, through no means of messing with his soul he wants to be the most powerful wizard that's why he goes and gets the uh, the elder one and you know kill as many people and and recruit as many people to his cause but he's not seeking immortality in the same way that voldemort is by bending the laws of dark nature and you know extending your soul and and, and placing it in containers around the world they're they're different leaders i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah i buy it oh Okay. Yeah, so sorry, Robin. But hey, good theory. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she also signed off by saying Ancora Imparo, which I just looked up because I didn't know what it meant, um, means that I'm still learning, uh, which I think ties in very well just to this overall episode. Kyle oh, as well. So There's an episode mm. title, Ancora Imparo. James says, um, who's listening live, says... In regards to listener, uh, younger listeners, I'd keep them away from episode 300, hashtag vibrating broom. That's oh. right. That was the episode where we And now keep up. them away we... from episode 338, where <laughs> we reference 300. <laughs> Those vibrating brooms are still on eBay, and I Did still- Did we really I... spend our 300th episode talking about the vibrating broomstick? Well, just for a few minutes. We that's interviewed all. David Heyman for 200, 100. We got the seventh book. And for 300, we talked about the fact. Well, you know, if J.K. Rowling wants to come on this show, we'll talk about something else. Save with us her. for 350, Joe. Please do it. <laughs> Please. Everybody write J.K. Rowling right now. Um, all right. So I, th- that's all we have for this week's episode. We are going to have some news to talk about next week. I see that J.K. Rowling did a Cursed Child interview, believe it or not, um, for CBS this morning. Uh, one of very few interviews she's done about the Cursed Child. She did it to promote the New York City Broadway run. And speaking of that, registration to have the chance to buy tickets is about to occur. On the next episode, we are going to walk you through what that whole process is like and what it means uh the Ticketmaster's verified fan program i did it for bruce springsteen broadway tickets recently so now i am an expert i will happily bequeath what i have learned onto the muggle cast audience because i know many people no matter what your opinion is on cursed child you probably want to see the play isn't that right kyle absolutely <laughs> is that true do you actually want to see it <laughs> um i'd be i'd be curious to watch it yeah you know what okay. our that reminds me the tickets are going on sale next sunday morning no 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 that's when registration opens up oh registration okay i was gonna there's, say our next episode can only be just us trying to get tickets to get <laughs> we should that should be the episode like a bottle episode. a bottle episode of us just trying to register like the the sound of a keyboard and like the mouse clicking and us going yeah oh, darn i'm in line Hey guys, welcome to MuggleCast episode 340, and all right, we're hitting refresh on Ticketmaster, and <laughs> Exactly, like, it's just the bottle episode where it's just, it's an event occurs, it's it's centered around a single event. Yeah. Great. Well, there's, there's your bonus MuggleCast. Yeah. 
<laughs> These tickets cost how much? We will, we will, we will only make our patrons like Kyle suffer uh, through the bonus MuggleCast of us getting angry at our computers. So, Cursed Child registration does open on October 1st, and it's open for a few days. So, you don't have to o- uh, register on October 1st, but you got to do it while that window is open. And registration will give you the chance to purchase tickets. You will not necessarily be guaranteed a ticket just because you're uh, registering. But we'll, we'll explain more of that um, yeah, in the future. All I said is that they will get a Turbo Man doll eventually, right? What is that a reference to? I'm sure. Put it's these cookies down. Jingle all, Jingle the, way. all the way. Put the cookies. <laughs> thank you, Kyle, for not even attempting a governator. Um, thank you. I, I see. All right. All right. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you guys very much for having me. This has uh, been a blast and awesome. kind of a dream come true for what almost 13 years now, I guess. Awesome. We're so glad to hear that. I know you recently became a Patreon supporter, too, which we appreciate greatly thank um, you yeah thank you and i also recently got married um oh congratulations we actually got married on the 20th anniversary oh, oh that's no sweet. way that's sweet you nerd <laughs> <laughs> wait did you do that on purpose um well n- well for me that's the reason why um <laughs> it was also her great grandparents uh, anniversary as well oh, oh wow, that that's really sweet. worked out yeah yeah did you guys have uh, Harry Potter related vows? Uh, we, she, my wife wouldn't let me put uh, Harry Potter stuff in our vows, but we did have a snitch on our cake, and Aww. we had um, we had a duo, a, a violin and cello duo playing at the ceremony, and they played Hedwig's theme just before the bridal march. Oh, oh that's God. cool. It, that's uh, what very... what house? Uh, what Hogwarts house is your wife in? Um, well, she kind of refuses to, to take okay. the Pottermore quiz. She's not as big, of, <laughs> she's not really a fan, but, um, I, I think she's in Gryffindor. Cool. Okay. Has she stepped foot in your classroom? She has. She, uh, she thought it was cool. She wasn't, <laughs> she's, uh, she's not all into it that, like I, uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah. She's yeah. like, Kyle, what? What is this? What? what? It's just your thing. <laughs> just keep it out of our house. She really was just making you take all your Harry Potter stuff out of the house, right? Yeah. Is this like, this is your man cave. This, this is your man cave. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations on recently getting married. That's great. Thank you. Micah, Eric, and I are still wondering when that's going to happen for us three. But we're glad our listeners are getting married. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of... I feel like we've heard, talked a lot about marriage the last couple of weeks on the show. Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. Mike and I made a pact that uh, if neither of us get married by 2020, we're just going to wed each other. <laughs> it's coming right? up. It's it's coming up. <laughs> Unbreakable anyway, vow. Yeah. Uh, a couple of shout outs you wanted to mention, Eric? Uh, yeah, definitely. Shout out once again to Allie, Lindsay, and Danny of the Potterotica Show podcast. Uh, and their upcoming performance at the Chicago Podcast Festival. Uh, okay. Definitely look them up. Uh, it was really, really nice seeing them at Trivia on Wednesday and uh, just talking with Allie and Danny. Um was a good time. So they they represent a faction of Harry Potter uh, fandom that I never dallied in all of that much. And they cater sure. to it and do a very good job of it. Yeah, just go and see if it's for you. And also, uh, 
17 plus only. Really. 17 Seriously. plus, probably. 17 yes. plus, yeah. NC 17. Um, if yeah, if you want to learn more about the show, visit our website, MuggleCast.com. You can follow us on social media there. You can also just go to Twitter.com slash MuggleCast or Facebook.com slash MuggleCast. We'd love your support over on Patreon. We are doing it weekly thanks to our patrons, Patreon.com slash MuggleCast. I know we've had a little boost in signups lately, so thanks to everybody who has recently joined us as always we're trying to make it uh we're trying to give you as many benefits as possible we're trying to figure out something to, uh, some, some something to do to celebrate or to get to 777 patrons because we're currently at 752 and you know with seven being a magical number the most magically powerful number yeah we gotta think of something to do you know what though there's another shout out we have to give, and I would what? simply hate ourselves if we didn't. It's to Nikki Henry, who sent us socks to the MuggleCast P.O. Box. You yes, guys... we are all free, thanks to the <laughs> socks that you sent us. <laughs> so Nikki works for a company called Socksmith, and these are the geekiest, nerdiest socks I have ever seen in my life. She sent us a bunch of them. One of them has a goat on it. Another has a werewolf, which looks very much like Remus Lupin, because uh, he's still got, like, jean shorts on. Uh, unicorns, snakes, um, dollar signs. I have one that's uh, wore last night that's Sasquatch and Loch Ness Monster. Also sushi, beer, donuts. One that's a couch potato. One that's a fox, and it says zero fox given. I mean, that's just mine, really unbelievably really talented, nerdy, gifty kind of socks. And Nikki gave us a whole box of them. We yeah, cannot thank, thank her enough. Yeah. Uh, Eric picked those up at the P.O. Box. I did not because he is still not giving me a key. I'm going to get you a key. Come to the zoo today. I'll give you well, a key. Well, actually, <laughs> I didn't want to bring this up, but um, Andrew, I, I'm pretty sure Kyle sent us an invite to his wedding, and uh, we never got it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I went. It was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So wait, but awesome. you said we're free, so that means I don't have to do the show anymore, right? Now that we have these socks, <laughs> <laughs> only only if I get you these socks, maybe I'll keep you're them all for myself. You're free from the troubles life has have given you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, whatever those may be. Anyway, uh, so the PO box address is four zero four four North Lincoln Avenue, Box one four four Chicago IL six zero six one eight. You do not need to send us anything. But if you have something like a nice little card or letter or something you want to write, you've been meaning to write, and you like the U.S. postal system and using it, as some do, um, send us that. We'll be sure to read it on the show and give you a shout-out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your support, as always. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Kyle. Thanks again, Kyle. See everybody later. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>